please stand if you are able. We have been created to be God's children, but we are free to accept or deny this identity. In Christ, we are called to participate in the life of God. We may come or stay away. seated and as you are let me welcome you to worship here at Southside Baptist Church this morning this uh, glorious Lord's Day it's good to see you all here and also to welcome those of you who are our guests uh, we want to say to you uh, or give to you a special welcome today uh, Southside Baptist Church is a church in the heart of Five Points South building an inclusive community of grace first in this community and then beyond 
and we do that uh, and make that known each week and through the things that we publish so that everyone will know that we are grateful to be a part of that process, to be privileged to, to welcome people into this house of worship and know that as we do, we are doing so in the name of Jesus that others might come to know the love and grace of God. We would like for those who are guests today uh, and members alike too to take the blue registration tablet at the end of each pew and fill that out, put any information in there you would like for us to know and we'll collect those either at the offering or we'll collect them after worship today, but uh, we want to, to know you better if at all possible. We also want to take time to welcome each other by passing the peace of Christ and so if you would now um, welcome those by welcoming them in the name of Jesus, by passing the peace of Christ now. As you greet everyone and welcome each other today, I want to also welcome those who may be worshiping with us uh, via the live stream. There are those who worship each week and who are able to uh, be a part of this worship service as they um, subscribe to that uh, live stream service each week. Will you bow with me as we go to the God in prayer? Lord, for your mercy and grace, we give you thanks for the opportunity to gather here and to fellowship with one another, to lift our voices in praise, to know that as we assemble that you are here and that you will receive our worship as we offer it unto you. Bless this time of worship, all that we do, we do it for your glory. In your name I pray.
Our first scripture lesson today is Psalm 33, or from Psalm 33, I'll read the first 12 verses of this psalm. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with a harp. Make music to him on the ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. Here ends our first reading of scripture. gospel reading is from the gospel according to Luke chapter 5 reading verses 27 through 38 in honor of the gospel and the words of Jesus if you're able will you stand after this Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth and he said to him follow me and he got up left everything and followed him then Levi gave a great banquet for him in his house, and there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others sitting at the table with them. The Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And then they said to him, John's disciples, like the disciples of the Pharisees, frequently fast and pray, but your disciples eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, you cannot make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them, can you? The days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and sews it on an old garment. Otherwise, the new will be torn and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine 
must be put into fresh wineskins. This is the word of the Lord. Maybe seated. And we got a we got a big crowd of folks here today. It's good to see you all. And we've got all girls over here and our two boys over here. Well, we're glad everyone is here today. I want to talk to you for just a minute about something we do every week here, both in well, we do it in worship, we do it on Wednesday nights, we do it in Sunday school too. Jesus on many occasions taught us a lot of things about how we or to care for one another, to be kind to one another, to love one another. There are some times when our friends or maybe those that we go to church with are not feeling well, or maybe they're discouraged or something's going on, and we can do something for them. What are, kind of, what are some of the things that we do to help them? What do you do to help your friends? Well, let me ask over here. <laughs> what, do we, what, do you, what do you think? drop something I'll help them pick them okay. up pick you it might up. you might give them some assistance you might help them along the way do something for them Ellison? if they're sad I like talk to them and give them a pep talk <laughs> give them a pep talk okay that's good even your sister anyone else you don't know anything right now maybe <laughs> well just your presence always encourages us just being here well I've got something here that I want to ask you about and see if you can tell me what these are. You know, these are cards that we send out each week. These are prayer cards that some of you have probably gotten some of these. I know that Jade and Willow did some of these cards that we sent to them and to mom and, and dad. And we've sent them to other, to your parents along the way and, and different ones. Well, what, it, what does it say on there? What does it say there? Dear blank. Dear blank, You yeah. were reminded this week Remember. in prayer. All right. Remember. Remember it in prayer. And we do that so that when we send these to folks, that if they're feeling down, maybe they will know that we've prayed for them and they'll feel better. They'll be encouraged. They'll know someone else was thinking about them. Or maybe they're... Um, they're really sick and they just need some need to know that they're being prayed for this one is a is more of a uh, kind of get well card that some of you may send from time to time that says uh, may you soon be completely well and then over here is one that just says that the hands that fashion the universe are strong enough to heal you and, and gentle enough to hold you and that we know because as we pray for people we know that they need to, to realize that we're, we're concerned about them. We care for them. If um, some of you are not here on a Sunday, 
we ask questions about where is Jamie, or where's Millicent, or Jack, or Martine, or is Jane Will okay, or what about Amelia and Betsy, or Millicent and Abigail, are they here? We want to know where you are and that you're okay. And so when we send prayer cards, we're doing the same thing. And that's what it means to be kind to one another, but also it means to love one another, even as Jesus has loved us, to do kind things for one another. We can all do that. Some of you have sent birthday cards to people. I know that someone I heard this morning that Jamie had sent someone. And we can all do things like that and, and make people feel better or feel special. So today as we leave, we're gonna, I'm going to offer a prayer and ask you that as you spend this week in school or other places, think about ways that you can be helpful uh, in, to other people, okay? Let's bow together. Lord, thank you that you give us the opportunity to be an encourager to those around us, to offer prayers for healing and hope. Bless each one of these children. May you continue to guide them, and may your spirit be upon them. We ask this in your son's name. join me as we bring our prayers to God this morning. Loving God, you have made us who we are. We praise you and we express our thanks to you, for we are wonderfully made, made in your image and likeness. Help us always to remember not only our own dignity, but also the dignity of each other person whom we meet in the everyday affairs of this coming week. Help us to especially remember those who are in special need, in need of attitudes and kindness towards them. Help us when we are feeling lonely, misunderstood, misrepresented, to remember the life of our Lord who welcomed everyone as a friend, reminding everyone that God loved them. We pray that no matter what we face in the days of this coming week, help us to remember that nothing is impossible with you, that you have a way of making things better and that you can find a way of love for us, even if we can't see it right now. May the days of this week be renewed by the presence of your spirit working within us. Healing God, we come to you with the names of those who are upon our hearts, those who are worried about the future, those who are ill, those who are receiving medical treatment, awaiting an operation, in hospital recovering from an operation. Draw near with a sense of your presence, the comfort of your peace, the healing of your grace in body, mind, and spirit. We pray for our world this week. We pray for the meeting of the United Nations in New York later on in this coming week. We pray as they deliberate, especially with regard to the conflict in the Middle East, between Saudi Arabia and Iran. Lord, we pray for peace and not conflict. 
We pray for all who are experiencing the outcome of severe flooding yet again in the state of Texas. For those who have lost property and homes, we pray for your help. We pray for our life as a church, a congregation always seeking to know your will in this place through the ministry of our congregation and others who worship in this building, through the service of various organizations who work from our property. Lord, in everything that happens within this building, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers offered in the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, who taught us to pray with confidence and to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever.
my close friends in Baptist pastoral ministry in Scotland, Graham Clark, left the ministry of a local parish church to become director of the Glasgow City Mission for some years to give it fresh direction in what he was doing. And he told this story on one occasion. Uh, it was a mission that particularly focused on the needs of drug addicts, homeless and prostitutes in the city center of Glasgow. And he wrote and told me that one Thursday evening, he was drifting through the city, watching the traffic, but mostly his mind was elsewhere. And suddenly he heard a voice. It was a voice of one of the girls, one of the prostitutes rushing towards him, arms wide open. She had been off the street for some time, ill, uh, and she wanted to express her thanks that he was coming to help them in their lives. Here I was, he said, a Baptist pastoral minister, about to be embraced by a prostitute in the city of Glasgow. My first thought was to pull away, but I knew that that would just convey one more rejection in a life full of rejection. So we hugged and we talked. I want Jesus to walk with me. If you explore the encounters of Jesus in Luke's gospel, you begin to realize that that's what we have. We have Jesus walking, walking, sitting, talking, ministering to people in a whole variety of different needs. Jesus seemed to attract all sorts of people to him. The righteous and the religious came sometimes, but those who had been excluded, who felt cut off, felt welcomed by him in particular. His grace and his mercy was unconditioned. He welcomed tax collectors, lepers, Roman centurions, and the religious leaders of the time, the scribes and the Pharisees, as we read in this particular passage from Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, didn't like it one bit. Luke tells some of the best stories about Jesus, and none better than the story about Levi. He was a tax collector, universally loathed. This is how it worked. The Romans had created a unique and effective way of collecting taxes. Most unpleasant responsibility in any society, none of us really like tax collector. If you're a tax collector, IRS employee, I apologize for what I've just said. But nobody welcomes a letter from the IRS indicating that they're going to be audited. IRS employees probably feel the heat. And Levi knew that was true. Rome sold the function and office of a tax collector because the local tax collector was able, after he or she had accumulated what they could, was able to add a little bit extra for their own pockets. It was lucrative because it was based as a system upon greed, corruption, and abuse. Now, this particular tax collector was a Jew. So he was working with the arch enemy of the Jewish people. And that made him a sinner, somebody who was excluded, somebody who wasn't welcomed within the life of the synagogue or the temple. So here is somebody that Jesus goes right up to and calls and said, follow me. And the remarkable thing is that he got up, he left everything and followed him. I have to say, I want to know a little bit more about what's happening here, but that's all that Luke gives us. Apart from the fact that Levi gives a great banquet and invites Jesus and all sorts of different people to come and eat a meal. What's the big deal about eating and drinking, you might say? 
Well, in that culture, as in our own, it's a significant sign of friendship, association, and welcome. To refuse to eat with someone is to reject them. We know the story of the prodigal son later on in, in Luke's gospel, when the father who welcomes back this guy who's made a mess of everything, but he is unconcerned because his lost son is back home, he throws the biggest party that he's ever done in his life. And here is Levi. He has met with Jesus and he wants to express thanks to Jesus, but also to invite all sorts of people into his home to share the good news with them. Nobody would have been caught dead sitting at a table with a tax collector. Well, not quite nobody. Jesus was there. Jesus always in these stories reminds us that God accepts us, not because we deserve it, but because God reaches out in the person of Jesus Christ, his one and only son, and expresses love and concern. In the ministry of Jesus, there's no holier than now attitude. So seeing ourselves rightly, we see others rightly too. Seeing ourselves as those who need the grace of God, we recognize that others can experience that grace for themselves. As those who are made in the image and likeness of God, we see others made in the image and likeness of God. And putting these two things together, or more than two things together, along with the example of Jesus, we recognize that we are, as we often say about ourselves, an inclusive community, valuing all people, calling them to follow. In the midst of the difficulties of life, we adapt, we welcome, we include, we love, just as Jesus welcomed people in the first century. Everywhere Jesus went, he got attention. People were gathering. He's saying some new and winsome things. That loving neighbor, caring for the poor and the sick, welcoming and accepting people is more important than religious ritual, more important than customs, rules, and regulations. It's not that he's given up on religion entirely. We know that Jesus, according to the Gospels, went regularly, as was his custom, to the synagogue. He goes to the temple every year to celebrate the Feast of Israel. But he knows that at the heart of religion, there are relationships. Relationship with God and relationships with God that reaches out into relationships with other people. So here, Levi's party is buzzing. Like every good party, there's a bit of noise. And passerby are taking notice and looking into the courtyard and seeing what's happening. And there are those who watch from afar, from a distance, but they're interested. They're called the scribes and the Pharisees. And they look and they see and they say, look, he's eating with sinners. And Jesus hears them and perhaps smiles and says, yes. Jesus is speaking about an audacious love, a love that accepts, a love that knows no boundaries, a love that acts before it assesses, that kisses the leper, that plucks the wheat in the Sabbath day, that keeps the needs of others always at the forefront. Not excluding, but including. Edward Markham was an American poet in the 19th and 20th century. One of his best love poems is outwitted. He expresses it this way. He drew a circle that shut me out, heretic, rebel, a thing to flout. But love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle and we took him in. 
grace that is inclusive and welcoming. But the story goes on. The next story about fasting is about grace as well, but grace that speaks of the goodness of God, which is refreshing and enlivening. The scribes and Pharisees were a bit like the secret police. Some were obviously wise, devout, and holy, but some behaved like, I suppose, nosy journalists in the modern world, setting themselves up as self-appointed guardians of public morality and spying on people's lives. And Jesus and his disciples were marked people, and they were keeping an eye on him, watching, waiting to trip him up. In this story, they appear to be concerned with the religious issue of fasting. And so they say, your disciples are not fasting as our disciples do, and as the disciples of John the Baptist do. They thought they had a winner there, mentioning John the Baptist. They had no interest really in John the Baptist. They didn't like him when he was about, and now he's no longer with them. But they see this as a way of tripping Jesus up. Now, Jesus had actually fasted for 40 days in the wilderness, but you, nobody knew about that. All they saw was him eating with sinners, a glutton and a wine-bibber. In the first century Judaism, it appears that fasting was sometimes related to fear and uncertainty of God's grace. It was a way of manipulating God to be gracious and to be kind, to sway God in some way. We'll fast and God will do it. But God doesn't need to be manipulated in order to love us. We often make that mistake. We think we've got to be somebody. We think we've got to do something in order that God loves us. That's the reverse of what the good news of the gospel is all about. His grace is unconditioned. Jesus is not rejecting fasting. Indeed, he says that when the bridegroom is with them, the people don't, don't, don't fast, you feast. But when the bridegroom leaves, then they will fast later on in their experience of discipleship. I think Jesus is talking about the new wine of God's love that brings joy and happiness. It's a reminder that Christian spirituality is not a ball and chain that keeps our spirits from soaring. Rather, we can say with scripture, the joy of the Lord is our strength. These verses are really a radical reappraisal of what religion is all about. Something was happening. Jesus was bringing something fresh into the life of the Jewish people at this time. Relating to God was different from rules and regulation. Relating to God was something brand new. And you don't take something brand new and put it on something that's old. You don't take a piece of old new cloth and put it on an old garment to try and repair it because inevitably it'll just make the tear worse. And you don't put new wine in old wineskins, otherwise they will burst. Now, Jesus is not necessarily saying that the old is bad and the new is good all the time. But he is saying that you've got to be willing to welcome new ways of thinking and new ways of doing things. Sometimes the old regime of rules and regulations in religion just don't make it. Jesus is saying that something in his message is fundamentally new that is revolutionary. And letting go of the old allows the new to come. We don't like it when established patterns, when traditional ways of doing things, time-honored customs and 
orthodoxies are challenged and changed. Now, there are those who embrace the new to the total neglect of the old, but Jesus is warning here that the danger is that those who embrace the old don't listen to what new is happening. When the new cloth shrinks, it tears the garment, it is patching. New wine bursts the old skin, then everything is lost. I suppose every institution over time lives in tensions with its founding ideas. So much so that sometimes the institution itself becomes more concerned with pres preservation and protection, and that becomes the whole point of the exercise without realizing what has happened. We've lost the new that has come. Thomas Jefferson was so attuned to this dynamic in the 18th century, he said, every generation needs a new revolution. So healthy institutions invest time, resources, and stepping back, remember, to remember, to reassess, and to see what's happening. And in our Christian lives, the same is true. Are we living on the past rather than the present? Are we remembering what happened years and years ago in terms of encountering God in a real and living way rather than expecting that God is going to do something new within our lives in the days of this week that are coming. In the ministry of Jesus, the new wine is the new wine of the Spirit. In the ministry of Jesus, the Spirit is poured out without measure, stirring things up. Here in this party, things were happening. People were enjoying the presence of Jesus. They had been welcomed. They had been assured of the grace and love and the mercy of God and nothing was ever going to be the same again. Levi heard Jesus call, and he got up, and he left everything, and he followed him. And if he's the person we think that he was, he's the one that wrote Matthew's gospel, who tells us so much about the life and the love of our Lord. So the question to myself and to you is, are we thirsty for the new work of God's grace? Thankful for what he's done in the past, but hoping for something new to happen and receiving that grace. And then as we receive that grace ourselves, taking the message of that refreshing, inclusive, welcoming grace of God and making it known to others. Will you pray with me? Thank you for the greatness of your love, for your grace, which has reached out to us and which is, as we have already sung this morning, amazing. Help us to know that grace in an ever-increasing manner within our daily lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Our hymn of promise response is 586, grace greater than our sin. Let us stand to sing.
please pray with me. Our most gracious God, we come to you today to praise your name, to worship you. We thank you, Lord, for the many blessings that you have given each of us this past week, and we thank you for the blessings that are yet to be. We thank you for your mercy and your grace, for without it, we would be nothing. We know that all we have comes from you. And we thank you, Lord, for the people of this church. And we just ask, lift each one up to you, keep them in your care as they go through this week. And may we glorify your name in word and deed. Thank you for the opportunity to give back. And we pray that this offering that we receive today will be used to better your community and the world. In Christ's most precious name we pray. Amen.
think I had a battery malfunction. But anyway, I wanted to, a few things we needed to announce to you. One is we want to welcome all those who are guests today and hope that you will linger long enough there in the Narthex for us to uh, share with you some lemonade and cookies, sort of to get to know you a little bit. Uh, it'll be right after worship uh, there in the Narthex. And then also I want to call your attention to the cradle cross that's hanging here on the pulpit. This cradle cross, of course, is given or is hanging there in uh, honor of Stella Penelope Richards, daughter of Mark and Lauren Richards, and of course, granddaughter of Earl and Rosetta Richards. So uh, we're um, delighted to be able to have that here and to, to celebrate with you all, uh, Earl and, and family. Then also call your attention to the, uh, the flowers on the, these beautiful flowers that are here on the communion table. These are given to the glory of God and in honor of Peggy Gentry on her birthday and also in memory of Nancy Goodwin, given by Buddy. So we want to celebrate with you, and we're glad you're here today, Peggy, to share with us in this special day. We had a, a wonderful time of worship. I want to thank the choir and the uh, special music that was done today. All those had a part in it. Very moving for us, and also, as we heard, the, um, the homily that did remind us of who and what we are to be about. Dr. Roxburgh will come and have a benediction. We receive the blessing of God as we go. Grace, mercy, and peace from our God, creator, redeemer, and friend, now and forevermore.